All right, grab your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter six. Thanks, guys. Genesis chapter six. If you did not get a set of notes on the way in and you want hard copy, you can raise your hand. Otherwise, you can get it off our website, uh, Facebook, or YouTube pages. Just search MB or Midtown Baptist Temple. Midtown Baptist Temple. I don't think you, searching MBT gets you anywhere. But uh, all right, you guys ready to get to work? It's a lazy church this morning. So I will pray for strength for you. All right, let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to get into your word this way, uh, to just walk through and see how you set everything up and how man messes everything up. And, and Lord, you're right there waiting to redeem and to restore. And, and Lord, I thank you for in the midst of deserved judgment, uh, man finds grace, finds your grace. And, and so Lord, I pray that, you know, I know there's, there's gotta be somebody, probably multiple people here today that, that frankly have just made a mess of their life and, and God, you're a God of grace. And so Lord, I pray that today would be the beginning of a walk with you, uh, that today would be a day of of redemption and and the beginning of restoration. And Lord, we ask for this in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you'd bless this time, that you'd take your word and and let it it be received by by minds that understand and hearts that will receive. And Lord, that that souls would believe on what your word says and, and then walk in faith. So I pray that you'd just set the weakness of my flesh aside and God, just have your way with us. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give. Uh, Thank you for the faithfulness of members who give, who effectively buy into into your family business that that take the responsibility of seeing the word, uh, the work of the word move forward. Uh, They take it to heart, they own it personally, and and Lord, I just thank you that, that, that the group that ministers together, the members that minister together uh, Lord, you're using them to do a work that, that can only be explained by, by who you are in the lives of people. Lord, we pray for faithfulness and stewardship, uh, not just in our members, but Lord, for those who have oversight of the funds. Lord, give wisdom to, to everyone that, that we'd you know, not make foolish purchases, but Lord, not also be so, so stingy. We end up just making messes through, thr- through thrift. You know, we just need wisdom from on high, and, and so we trust you for that. Uh, God, I, 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 I'm so grateful uh, for this church, and Lord, you know how they like making me feel uncomfortable, and, and I don't know if you put that in their heart or, or where that comes from, but <laughs> um, grace, Lord, mercy. But uh, I do thank you for them. I, I thank you for their love. I thank you for their generosity. I, I thank you for their friendship. Lord, would you protect them? Would you keep them? Would you be glorified mightily in and through them? I pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, so we left off in Genesis chapter six, and we, we started kind of pointing out some prophetic connections. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 37, but as the days of Noah, N-O-E, that's the New Testament rendering of Noah's name, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So just like it was in the times leading up to the flood, that's what it's gonna be like in the times leading up to 
the time of great tribulation and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign on planet Earth. And uh, what do we have in Genesis chapter six? Well, let's see. So you've got daughters of men in verse one multiplying and uh, the, the men are multiplying and daughters are born unto them and the daughters are good looking. Um, praise the Lord, men, husbands. Uh, you know, our wives are, are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what I'm talking about. We got some smart guys in the room, and for those of you that, that didn't bray amen, that you didn't shout it just earnestly, and amen, pastor, you didn't, you didn't do that. You can be like, oh, you know, I was just so caught, just tell her later, I was so caught up in how beautiful you are. I had no, I had no speech. So the, the daughters were beautiful, and the sons of God, and we saw, I mean, sons of God, you gotta take your pick. Biblically, that's either Adam, Luke, 338, or that's the angelic, the celestial host, Job. The book of Job is very clear on that. And then you've got, well, you've got sons of God in the New Testament, in the church age. We've been given, we've been given the power to be called the sons of God because we've believed on the finished work of Christ at Calvary. We're born again. We're new creatures in Christ. In every case, everyone that's called a son of God is a direct creation of the Father. God makes you, he brings you in. That's what fathers do, they bring new life into existence. So it's not Adam, Adam's dead by Genesis chapter six. It's not us, we don't time travel. And uh, so you're left with the celestial hosts. Well, what if they're the, what if they're the sons of, of righteous Abel, right? Uh, or I'm sorry, righteous Seth marrying into the wicked line of, of wicked Cain. You made a human with a human, you get a, yeah, you get a human. But you mate the terrestrial with the celestial and you get a hybrid. Well, you know, angels are little, little babies with wings. No, every time you see an angel in the Bible, it's not some hot model, some smoking hot blonde with wings. That's not a biblical ideal. It's not a little infant. A cherub is not a biblical ideal. They're always presented as men. Uh, they, they look like us. As a matter of fact, Hebrews tells you that, that we've entertained angels unawares. Did you know? Did you know you could be hospitable to someone and, and never know in this life that you were actually being nice to an angel? They, they look like us when they're presented. And so angels are not given in marriage in heaven. They don't need to procreate. Uh, but they need to be the angels that fell, that, that followed Lucifer in his rebellion. Uh, God's gotta restore that family. And so it's interesting, you've got sons of God, according to Revelation chapter 12, a third of them have fallen Satan in his rebellion, and, and so, you know, if a third of them, well, how many angels are there? Uh, it's an uncountable host, right? So one third of an uncountable host, you cannot number them, there's so many, is how many? It's still too many to count, okay? It's just one third of whatever it was. And so, and so it's gonna take lots of sons of God to restore that family. Okay, so you've got celestial mating with a terrestrial, and what do you get? Well, you get a hybrid, you get a chimera, you get Nephilim, you get giants, you get Oh yeah, you get what you read about in your Western Civ module in fourth grade, right? Your, your Greek mythology module, you get, you get her, little, little Hercules, little, little Percy Jackson, right? I, I list those two names because that's what you're familiar with from Hollywood. 
Percy Jackson running through New York doing his thing. Did anybody see Percy Jackson? So that worked for about a quarter of the church. Okay, so, well, okay. You get Nephilim, you get demigods, that's what you get. And uh, according to the Bible, right, there's giants in the land also after that. Uh, There's giants in the land when the Hebrew children come out of the bondage of Egypt and they go into the Canaan land and and it's literal physical giants that they have to contend with and and when David comes to the throne, he's dealing with giants and and then there's gonna, you know, as it was in the days of Noah. Okay, so also shall it be in the coming, right? So what do you have? Well, in, in Daniel chapter two, you've got a hanging pronoun. You know, that, that statue that's described that's decreasing in majesty and glory. It starts with the head representing Babylon and it works its way down through the Medo-Persian Empire to the Roman Empire. And by the time you get down to the toes, you've got the strength of the Roman Empire married to humanity and, and in those toes, right, they don't cleave one to another. Okay, so it's, 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 it's part iron, part toes, and then in explaining that, they said, and they, whoever they are, shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they won't cleave to one another, right? There's gonna be, there's gonna be friction in that relationship, kinda like what we're gonna see, what, what you see in Genesis chapter six. Man, the result of this, this chimeric union, right, this, this celestial-terrestrial hybridization Uh, is man's heart is only evil continually. It repents God that he's even ever made man. The whole earth, the Bible says, is defiled and and so God's gotta hit the reset button. Well, in the last days, Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter two says that whoever they are, they will mingle themselves with the seed of men. It's this hanging pronoun. Whoever they are, they're not men. They have a seed. Men have a seed. They will mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they will not cleave. There will be this conflict, there'll be this rupturing in the hybridization process. Well, it's just very interesting to me that in the last days before Christ's return, we are, the scientific community, is obsessed with improving the human genome. With the advent of CRISPR, all bets are off and, and uh, you know, people are playing God with, with our genealogy. So there it is, right? It's a it's a, it's a wild time in the history of this earth. We're gonna pick it up in verse eight. Genesis chapter six and verse eight. You know the, the way we left it off last time, people will read it and they'll say, God is so harsh. The Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Uh, again, you've got a con- corrupted genome. Why? Why do we have a corrupted genome? Do you remember the prophecy, the first prophecy in your Bible? In Genesis chapter three and verse 15, God tells Satan and the woman, right? The, God tells Satan, the seed of the woman will crush your head. You'll injure him, you'll bruise his heel, but he's gonna crush your head. The, the skull crusher is coming. And so the very next thing that we see Satan doing is attacking the seed of the woman. He wants the seed of the woman to be defiled. He wants it to be his seed so that it won't destroy him. Do you see that? First baby born, murders his little brother. Satan is in an all-out war against humanity. And so by the time you get to Genesis chapter six, the woman's seed is corrupted. But somehow, verse eight, but Noah found grace 
in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect. He's complete, okay, if we're gonna biblically define that word and we'll talk about that in just a second. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for what? What got jacked up in the genome? All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. So let's break this down and and get God's truth for our lives today. Number one, God's grace. Let's look at God's grace on Noah. Verse eight says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I love the fact that in verse seven, God's saying I gotta clear the canvas, but, but then this next two words, but Noah, there's gonna be an exception to this rule. But shows that Noah's life, Noah's walk was contrary to that of the world. Contrary is your next blank. And Genesis six verse nine tells us why. Noah has a walk with God. Noah walked with God. Just like Enoch, his great, was it his great grandfather, had done before him. These are the only two men of whom this is said in your Old Testament, right? This is, they, they, they've got this walk, they walked with God. Obviously, we know the disciples walked with God and, and, and we get that, but just notice the phraseology. Both have a walk with God, both walk with God, so don't miss the picture. Enoch is translated. He was not, why? Because God took him. Why, because he had this testimony According to, 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 I mean, he walked with God. Hebrews said he had this testimony that his, his life was pleasing to God. It pleases God that his people walk with him. So he is a type of the church being raptured out. Church is your next blank. Enoch is translated. He's a type of the rapture of the church. Now, if Enoch is raptured out before judgment, before cataclysm comes, what does that make Noah a type of? Noah and his family picture the preserved remnant the nation of Israel preserved in the judgment of the great tribulation. So Noah, Noah and his family are a type of remnant Israel during the tribulation period. The church, 1 Thessalonians chapter four, is raptured out. 1 Thessalonians four comes before 1 Thessalonians chapter five. I don't know if you knew that, but that's very profound. 1 Thessalonians four, the rapture comes before five, the wrath of God. The church is raptured out before the wrath of God comes down on a wicked nation, on a wicked world. But the nation of Israel, this is the way it works. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 24, you will know when it's on like Donkey Kong when you see this wicked one, this man of sin, defile the temple. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, run. Run for the Judean wilderness. Run, and that's where you will be supernaturally protected by God, right? This is the promise to God's people. There's an ark waiting for the believing Jew during the time of great tribulation. The Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So the story of God's grace, it just keeps unfolding. In the Old Testament, how do you appropriate grace? Well, man found grace by separation from the world unto righteous living before God. Do you see that? In the Old Testament, that's how it worked. You say, prove it. Okay, well, Exodus 33, verse 15. He said unto them, if thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. For herein, or for wherein, shall it be known here 
that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people, were to be a peculiar people. They were, to be, they were in the world. They were to be separate from it. Uh, there is a New Testament correlation to that, isn't there? Isn't there? We're, we're called to be a peculiar people. We're not, in, we're not of the world, but we're in the world. God loves the world, we love them, but we don't join the course of this world. That's not who we are anymore. We used to be by nature children of wrath, but that's not us anymore. We're born again, we're new creatures in Christ, and so now we have the responsibility to walk separate, to come out, to be holy, because our God is holy. So the, the Old Testament, you found separation from the world unto righteous living. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse two. Uh, they found grace, the Bible says, in the wilderness, even Israel. Psalms 84, verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So there it is in the Old Testament. I need to be separate from the world. I'm gonna be submitted to the, to the person of God, the, the word of God, the law of God, and so I'm gonna walk uprightly. That's how it worked in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, grace finds us. Grace searches us out by appearing through the post-incarnate word. Titus 2 verse 11 says, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. And we heard it and we believed it. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are ye saved through faith, through faith in the proclaimed gospel of Jesus Christ. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Nobody will be bragging in heaven about how perfectly they walked separate from the world. Thereby I obtained the grace of God because I believed God, I had this separate walk. No, 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 you have a separate walk because of the grace of God finding you, right? That's not how you appropriated the, the grace of God. No, you, you heard and believed on the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's grace captured you. Now that changes your walk. Do you see the difference? It's the same thing, it's just inverted inside out. Okay, so. I don't know, we gotta come up with a word for that. Romans 10, 17, how did you, how did you get saved by, by grace through faith? Well, faith cometh by hearing and the post-incarnate word. I mean, think about it. Don't we have the completed word of Christ? Don't we have the absolute representation, the complete mind of Christ? This is it, this is the mind of Christ for us. The post-incarnate word has found us by hearing, right? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So salvation, right, though, though very, I mean, the elements are the same, but it's different in the two testaments. It's different between the dispensation of the law and the dispensation of grace. Yet grace and faith are necessary in both dispensations. Noah had to believe. When the word of God came to him, he had to believe on it. He had to receive the word, and he had to follow the word of God by faith in order to walk with him. My proof text for that is Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Honey, do you wanna go for a walk? Yes, I'd love to, let's go for a stroll. All right, you go that way, I'll go this way. 
Well, that's not much of a walk, is it? If we're going to go somewhere together, we've got to be agreed on where we're going. Amen? That's, that's, I mean, I think that's simple logic. Noah is in agreement with God, isn't he? Because he's walking with God. Some of you this morning, you don't have a walk with God because you're bitter. You're grinding some ax against God or God's people. You're frustrated, you're bitter. You're not walking with God. You know what? You're not in agreement with him. Man, I, I pray that today you would just humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That you just quit, give up, just draw near to the Lord. It's better walking with God. It's better being with the Lord than fighting against. Don't you know you can't beat God? It's a frustrating, talk about a frustrating life where it's like, God, forget you, I'm gonna do it my way. It's my way or the highway. Well, good luck with that. It's too late. You already called on the name of the Lord and I read my Bible in Romans chapter eight. Uh, God's working all things together for your good and he has predetermined that you're gonna be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So good luck being a Nimrod. Now you can do it. You have a free will. You can just go through life, right? Acting like some Nephilim, but you're just making yourself and everybody connected to you miserable. Uh, Let's repent. Let's just humble ourselves before the Lord. Okay, verse eight. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the first mention of God's grace in your Bible. And it's at a time when God is going to righteously destroy all of mankind. Hello, somebody. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I'm gonna set the, I'm gonna hit the reset button on the entire genome of the planet. We, we, we have to, we have to scroll back the clock to Adam on everything, to original creation on everything, and, and then this is where God's great. I mean, mankind is damned at this point, and yet we see the first mention of God's grace. John 3, 36 shows you the, how that principle works, how it still works today. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know, you got people in this world who are dead men, dead women walking. They're doomed. They're damned to hell for eternity. The wrath of God is abiding. God's angry at the sin, right? He's angry at the sinner every day. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that people have an exit ramp. People who will, in repentance over sin, And in faith to God, they'll just humble themselves and call on Christ as Lord and Savior. There is an ark waiting for you. But we have to to repent. We have to believe on the gospel if we're gonna see the grace of God rescue us. So who finds grace? What's Noah? Well, why why does Noah find grace? Well, it's the same reason that Enoch was raptured Noah walked with God. So today, believer, you're saved. You're on the ark, you're slated for rapture. Are you walking with God? Are you gonna be like super embarrassed at the judgment seat of Christ? (laughs) Should have been walking with the Lord that whole time. Verse nine says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Ham, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God. So something's going on in the earth. 
in the, in the animal kingdoms. The earth was filled with violence. The Lord looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, verse 13, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So point number two, let's talk about God's, I mean here's, here's God's relationship with Noah. Let's talk about Noah's walk with God in a time, in a, in a place, in an earth that's slated for condemnation. The Bible says these are the generations of Noah and this is a key phrase in Genesis, right? We already saw the generations of Adam in chapter five, right? You remember that? We saw the generations of Adam which pointed us to Matthew chapter one, the generations of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, in, and in Adam's genealogy, every three sentences, somebody dies, but in the generations of Jesus Christ, there's no record of death, why? Well, because the first Adam was made a living soul and, and he was created in the likeness and image of God, but through his sin, through his rebellion against God, that likeness, that image was corrupted Adam is not giving birth to children who are in the likeness and image of God. Well, the day that thou eatest thereof, the Bible says thou shalt surely die. The wages of sin is what? Death. So nobody breaks a grand in Genesis chapter five. Nobody beats a thousand years because they die the day of their sin. So every three lines, and he died, and he died, and he died. Well, the first Adam, the federal head of humanity, through him, it's by him that death and sin entered into the world. The second man, the last Adam, okay, he's made a life-giving spirit, a quickening spirit. Uh, he, 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 it's through him that we have everlasting life, and so the picture in Matthew is, and he lived, and he lived, because he lives, he lives, he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. You know, he walks with me, he talks with me, along life's narrow, wicked, slated for condemnation and judgment way, ask me how I know he lives. You gotta check out that song. It is so good. He lives within my heart. Okay, uh, the spirit of Christ dwells in us, okay. So these are the generations of Noah, key phrase in your Bible, and it signals the beginning of the story of Noah. Uh, from Genesis 6, 9 to the end of Genesis chapter 10, this is the story of the Genesis, or the, the generations of Noah. And the Bible says he was a just and perfect. He was a just man and perfect in his generations before God. Now in this context, according to verse eight, it's all connected to the grace of God. But what about him being perfect in his generations? You know, Job was called perfect in Job chapter one, verse one. And the word is defined later on in, in chapter one in verse eight as fearing God and eschewing evil. He is a mature believer. He fears God and he eschews evil. And so, so he's called perfect in verse one. But get this down in your notes. Perfect in your Bible never means sinless perfection. It never means sinless perfection, and here's the proof. Job himself, Job chapter nine, verse 20. He says, if I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. Though I were perfect, yet would I not know my soul. I would despise my life. Well, what does perfect mean then? 
I mean, if he's, if he's loving God, right? If he's, if he's fearing God, if he's eschewing evil, right? He's got, the, he's got the beginning of the wisdom of God and he's, and he's walking away from evil. Well, then what is perfect? Well, in the New Testament, you get the definition of the word, the biblical word perfect. And so get this down in your notes. It's defined as being throughly furnished unto all good works in 2 Timothy chapter 2 or chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. You have a Bible because God wants to do something in your life. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. There's some stuff that, that, that needs to be taught to us. For reproof, there's some stuff that needs to correct us. For correction, right? We need to know what is the right way to live and for instruction in righteousness. Why? Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Biblically, the word perfect means complete. It means mature. It means whole. Okay, You're, you, it's full stature. It's, 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 it's completion. So here is a guy who is not corrupt, right? The flesh hasn't been corrupted like the rest of the planet. Now Noah's walk with God obviously had to extend to cover his family because his whole family is allowed on the ark. We'll see that, um, we'll see that later on in the story. And what that ought to do for you, mom and dad, is it ought to get you full of faith. Maybe you got a kid who is, who is just messed up from the ground up. They're, they're, like, they're, they're like by nature a child of wrath and, and they follow the course of this world and, and good's evil and evil is good. And you say, what am I gonna do with this kid? Or maybe you're married to an unbelieving spouse What do you do? Man, get full of faith and walk with God. Hello, somebody. That's the answer. The best hope for your spouse is for you to get full of faith and get on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. The best hope your kids have, what are you gonna do? You're gonna talk them into thinking right? For the last 10 years, you've been fighting with your kids. They need to see God in your life. I mean, read 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The unbelieving ought to see who God is in us and fall on their face and say of a truth, right? The reality is, is I see God in your life. I see God in this place. Mom, dad, get full of faith for your family. Get this down in your notes. This is key. There is power with the believing spouse. There is power with the believing parent. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 12 says, you got somebody, you got a spouse that doesn't believe but they don't want to, they don't want to divorce don't put them out, right? Don't divorce them. Look at verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. They're set apart to God's special attention because you're a believer. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. She's set apart for God's special attention because of the believing husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy? I don't, I don't think you got what the Bible was saying there. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 31. They, they told him. They told him. They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Well, I thought salvation was a personal decision about, about I mean, it was your personal decision over what the word of God says. Yeah, but mom, dad, you're in a position 
of authority. You're the head of your household. And so when you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you get full of faith for your family, um, you can trust God that he's gonna unleash the hounds of heaven on them. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're gonna be forced, and it, and it is. You just start following the promises of God. You train up your children in the way that they should go, and maybe you're in a place where you're praying for them to be old. Because when they're old, they won't depart. That's a promise, and it is amazing. You know, you see it, you see it all the time. Kids who grow up rebels, I mean, by the time they're in their 40s, they're the most, I mean, they're in church, they're, they're giving, they're, they're, they're growing. I mean, God keeps his promises. Sometimes you're just praying for your children to get old so they won't depart. But what you do is you just get full of faith and you trust God, God will bring them to a point of decision over their salvation. So if you've got kids that are living in sin, following destruction, what can you do? Walk with God. Follow Noah's plan for parenting in a wicked world. Get full of faith and walk with God and so help you by God's grace, receive God's grace for your family. I love the story that Jim Semblet tells about his father. His father was a, dr- a drunk, very abusive, and, and his mom had grounds for divorce. She didn't give up on her husband. You know, he wasn't physically beating her, but he was, he was, he was mean to her. And uh, her position was, is if, if I'm not in his life, what hope does he have? And before he died from cirrhosis of the liver, <laughs> uh, he came to saving faith. She was instrumental in him coming to Christ. Everybody else quits on this man, not this woman. She got full of faith. Her walk with God impacted the life of her husband. And now she'll have her husband with her in heaven. Uh, Jim will have his father with him in heaven. Our walk with God impacts the lives of people. We gotta believe that. Generations, generations. These are the generations of Noah. So this word generations is connected, it's contrasted to the corruption of humanity by these fallen sons of God. Don't miss that. The first time in verse nine you see the word generations, it's talking about the, the descent right, the genealogy, the, the, the family, the birth, right, the, the actual physical passing from one generation to the next. And the second word that's translated generations in verse nine uh, is talking about the revolution of time, right, these are the ages, right, this is the posterity of his family. So bo- both words, it's two different words translated as generations to refer to Noah's lineage, right, his pedigree, as it were, and it's perfect. In other words, there's no corruption in his lineage. There's no, do you get the contrast? You've got chimeric hybridization between the celestial and the terrestrial, but it's not in Noah's family. His genome is whole, and this would explain why he is selected to be um, another Adam, as it were. Right, his family is selected for preservation, but it's also his relationship with God. Notice something else is corrupt in verse seven and 11. The earth and the animals are messed up too. The creeping thing, the fowls of the air, God's gonna destroy them in verse seven. It repented God that he had made them. It's corrupted, all flesh is corrupted before God. Check out 
I mean, it's a wild cross-reference, but here it is. Isaiah 24, verse 5. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Something got corrupted in the earth. Something got corrupted. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that all of creation is groaning. Don't you know that the earth has been in agony? <laughs> it's been in agony since, since Genesis, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Uh, the curse will be removed from the earth in the millennial reign of Christ, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, in Romans chapter eight, a little bit before that, it talks about those, you know, the spirit of God bears witness with believers, bears witness to their spirit that they are the sons of God and heirs of God. When you believe on the gospel, you get God forever, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Nothing can take that away from you once you have that relationship with God. You're a new creature, you can't, you can't go back, you can't undo it, okay? But you're joint heirs with Christ. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. You're, you're also joint heirs with Christ, if so be you suffer with him. If you'll take up your cross and follow him, if you'll get serious about about applying the word of God to your life and then being used of God to apply it to the lives of people. If you'll get serious about your father's business and start making some disciples, you will rule and reign with Christ. And the promise to the serving believer is to be glorified with Christ in his kingdom, to be joint heirs with Christ in his kingdom. So that's what it's talking about. It's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Christ and his bride during the millennial reign of Christ on planet Earth. Okay, the truth is stranger than any fiction. The, people, the creator is getting ready to move to planet Earth. Okay, and he's gonna rule and reign. There's a lot of people that won't like it, and that's why the Bible says he will rule with a rod of iron. It's gonna be a very strong rule. Uh, you don't have to like it, but you're gonna submit to it. Okay, he will rule and reign for a thousand years and he will, it's, it's the honeymoon with his bride. Creation is longing for that day. It's groaning, waiting. Look at verse 12. All flesh, all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Even the cat? I'm not 100% sure that the cat's genome got completely cleared up. There is something demonic about that species. I'm not 100% sure what it is, but but there's just something wrong with a cat. You can see it, you can see the evil in their eyes. When they're just sitting there, laying there, they're just thinking up some way, you know, if I was a little bit bigger, I could kill my master <laughs> and feast on his flesh. All flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. My, my cousin-in-law, Vonda, has a cat. His name is Walter. He is a demon. There is nothing right about that animal. I don't understand how he's still breathing. Um, if he was my cat, he would pull out my Walter just ran away. I don't know what, he ran, he ran away. I go down to pet him. I go down to pet Walter and he bit me. Oh, he bit me! You know, and, 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 and my, my, my cousin Vonda's like, oh, he's such a stinker. I'm like, kill it! And apparently, everybody that's been in that house has been bitten by Walter. I mean, pray for my cousin Vonda. She's harboring a demon on purpose. Okay, so 
All flesh has corrupted his ways. Contrast that, a corrupted way versus Noah's just walk. Hello, somebody. Who are the people that are gonna have a just walk, a right walk with God in the midst of a world that has completely corrupted its way? The lost world, don't you know there's so many in the lost world that you're their only hope of knowing that there's an alternative to the course of this world, that there's a way out of the corruption? But it's even more sinister than that. Look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 17. They sacrificed unto devils, not to God. To gods, look at that, little g. To gods whom they knew not, to new gods that came newly up, whom your fathers feared not. With this age and humanity's history, what do you have? It's the age of the Prometheans. This is the, this is the time that you read about in Greek mythology in Western Civ in fourth grade, okay? You've got the gods coming to dwell among men. They're, 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 all the women are hot, and so they're just, I mean, committing adultery with them left and right and, and uh, fornicating with them left and right, and you got these, these, these demigods coming up, and. They present themselves. You can't, this is, the, this is deism on display. The typical deist says, oh yeah, yeah, there's some kind of a chaos creator. He's so big, he's so massive. You are to him what the bacterium in your gut is to you. You're glad that it's there, but you don't have, like you've never really just like dived down into your, in your gut tract and said, hey Larry, how you doing today? Can we talk? Let's have a relationship. Larry, I heard your prayers and no, you don't, you, you know that they're there. You just, you don't have a relationship with the bacterium. Is this making sense? So there's a chaos creator, but you'll never have a relationship with him. But the lesser gods, okay, they can be implored and you can receive their favor. That's the deistic mindset. This is the Promethean mindset. You know, Prometheus got a bad rap, man. I mean, you know, in Genesis chapter three, all he's trying to do is bring forbidden knowledge to man. The knowledge, the fire of knowledge to unleash mankind's full potential and, and you know, Lucifer just gets a bad rap in the Bible. No, he's a liar, he hates you, he wants to see you destroyed for eternity because you are part of the people that replaced him in his rebellion. Look at 1 Samuel 28, verse 13. And the king said unto her, be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth Little g, Exodus 20, verses one through three, the, the Bible says, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Little g, gods, these lesser deities. So today, can we, I mean, obviously, yes, there are deists all over. They, they defy, they refuse their creator, and they worship these powers, these principalities in his place. But what about the believer today? Can we corrupt our way before the Lord? Well, Galatians 6 says very clearly you can. Uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Look at verse eight. For he that soweth to his flesh shall, shall of the flesh reap what? This is written to believers. Do you know that the way you live your life in the flesh can cause corruption to come forth out of your life. And God destroyed the world of old, Noah's world. He destroyed it over its corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit 
reap life everlasting. Okay, point number three, very quickly. Let's look at the judgment that Noah's ark delivered him and his and, and uh, the uncorrupted flesh through. God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, verse 13, and he says, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. So, pitch would be um, like asphalt, right? It would be like tar. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and a cubit, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it. Above and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with the lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and in everything that is in the earth shall die. Everything that is in the earth shall die, but with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing, of all flesh, two of every sort, thou shalt bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every short, uh, every, every short, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. So Noah takes in the unclean animals, the ceremonial unclean animals. It's not corrupted, you know, it's not a satyr that he's bringing on. It's not a minotaur that he's bringing on to the, to the ark, you get that. It's unclean in the sense that they're not ritually clean to be used in the next dispensation. By the time we get to the age of the law, they're gonna be used in sacrifice, right? So the unclean animals two by two, but the clean, the ritually clean animals, he takes in by sevens. Um, greater numbers are needed for sacrificial offerings. So two of every species, right? It's of every, notice the word is kind. That's a, that's a biblical word for species. So, you know, not every, you know, Chihuahua probably didn't make it on the ark. It's probably two wolves, right? Um, they probably had Chihuahuas and pit bulls and, you know, uh, whatever, okay? We just need two of every species. And then, you know, you can adapt and, and breed them for, if you need a chihuahua again, it's corrupted flesh. There's, like a cat, there's something wrong with a chihuahua. You just see the little hate, the crazy hate in their heart is just not understandable. And the whole time, they're just like shaking with rage for no reason. <laughs> It's because the chihuahua has a demon. Okay, he's a, he's a host for the, okay, sorry. Okay. Don't talk about my Fifi that way. Okay, so 21. And take unto thee of all the food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for, for food for thee and for them. So for your family and for the animals. Thus did Noah, according to all that commanded him, so did he. So he's gotta make this ark out of gopher wood. Uh, it'd be like cedar or cypress wood. So it's gonna handle the water well. He's gotta pitch it with tar, with asphalt, so it doesn't leak. And it's big, okay? So I, I put that in your notes. You got a picture in your notes? 
um, that um, you know, if you measure a cubit from the, from the um, elbow to the tip of the fingers, that's stereotypically about 18 inches. Some people will put it as much as 25 inches. And so it's at least 450 feet, maybe as long as 625 feet. It's at least 75 feet wide, and it's at least, at least 75 feet wide, as much as 100 or more wide. But it displaces roughly 65,000 tons. Okay, the Titanic only displaced 46,000 tons. Okay, so this is a big boat, and in it you could fit easily 300, over 300,000 sheep. Just to give you an idea of how big, in other words, there's enough size in this boat to get two of every kind, right? Two of every species on the boat, on the ark. So here's how I wanna wrap it up this morning. Salvation is an ark. Judgment, destruction is coming. You remember what we saw in John chapter three? Those who don't come to Christ, that's bad because the wrath of, the wrath of God was already abiding on you. Okay, at the moment you get saved, you're in an ark of salvation. You will be preserved from the wrath to come. And if you're on the ark, right, if you're born again, if that's true, are you like Noah? Are you perfect? You say, well, I mess up every day. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Are you truly furnished unto all good works? That's God's plan for you. In Romans chapter eight, God's plan for his children is to see them conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was lost in Adam in the Garden of Eden, God is restoring that in you as his child. And with that maturity, right, with that maturity comes this walk with God. Remember Adam in Genesis chapter three, he's in the garden in the cool of the day and the implication is in verse eight that he's got a daily walk with God. And sin ruptured that. Well, brother, sister, Christ came back to seek and save that which is lost. He came back to see many sons of God born into his family. So if you've got that, if you've got that relationship with God, are you being thoroughly furnished unto all good works, right? Every good work. Are you getting equipped? God's plan is to see you conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The question on the floor this morning is this, are you cooperating? Are you in or do you have reasons for why you can't humble yourself and submit to God's agenda over your life? Would you join with us in pursuing a walk with God? Romans chapter 12 tells you to be not conformed to this world but be ye what? Transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. That is an active ongoing process. We're gonna, in a moment, we're gonna sing praise together. In a moment, we're gonna have opportunity to respond to the message. Some of us, some of you, please don't come forward. Go out, to the, go out to the lobby and look at the path to growth on the west wall of the lobby. Identify yourself on that path to growth. Where are you at in the equipping process that God has planned over your life to see you truly furnished, to see you made mature? And then whatever your next step is, take it. Get accountable in it. Tell someone. Uh, sign up for our next cost of discipleship class. Right? Engage as a disciple. Get equipped. Join us in discipleship too, in LFBI. You need to know your Bible from cover to cover. And you need to know how to use it in the lives of people because brother, sister, God wants you in the family business. You say, well, that's your job. No, I'm just the pastor. God's made every member of his church a minister. 
you need to know the word of Christ and you need to know how to use it in the lives of people. And in doing so, helping people get on the ark and then see them matured so that they can show people how to get on the ark of salvation, one day we'll stand before our creator and you'll be able to point to people and say, you know what, Joe, Larry, Sarah, Sally, you're my crown of rejoicing today. I'm so glad you're here. Does this make sense? Now others, you're not on the ark and the wrath of God is abiding. You have to do the math, okay? You are a product of special creation. There's no way around that. There is no way to prove that dirt plus time equals you. Dirt plus time, you can throw all the time, you can throw all time at dirt, and you know what you're gonna have? Dirt, okay? I mean, the second law of thermodynamics is a thing. Everything moves from order to chaos, not the other way around. Everything, I mean, the way entropy works, it goes from an ordered, energized working system to rust. And yet somehow, we're so awesome, we just, you know, dirt plus chemicals and some water equals somehow, oh yeah, we are meat robots running on wetware. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every part of you is running on, on biological machinery. Okay, it, it, it's, you're not goo that just works, okay? You are a meat robot running on wetware. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You have a maker and a creator, and one day you're gonna stand before him. You gotta do the math on that. You don't just exist for no reason at all. Well, you were made for, you were made for his good pleasure. That's why you're here, it's to please God. And what will please God is to have you in his family. God so loved you, he was not willing that you would perish in sin and rebellion against God. He wants you, and he wants you walking with him. So for some, today, you need to just quit Frank, Frank Sinatra. Uh, can I turn his last name into a verb? Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Nobody's gonna be singing that at the end. No, you didn't. You didn't do it your way. I mean, at some point, will you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, confess your sin in repentance, confess your sin before him, and call on Christ, call on your creator for forgiveness of sin and salvation. He paid for it already. He bought it for you at the cross of Calvary. He shed his his life's blood so that our sin might be washed away. He gave his life so that we could have it. I'd like us to bow our heads and humble ourselves. And if, you'll, if you will bow your heads and close your eyes, you can look in your heart if you want. You can see where you're at. Is there anybody here that would say, Pastor, please, would you pray for me? I don't know that I'm saved. Please, would you pray for me? I don't know that I've been born again. Yes, yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Anybody else? Pastor, please pray for me. I'm not sure that if I died today, I would go to heaven. Yes, ma'am, I see. Anybody else? Please pray for me. I don't know that if, if yes, yes, sir. I don't know that if I died today that I would spend eternity with God in heaven. I need, today needs to be the day of salvation for me. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Anybody else? I think we've had four or five so far. Okay, I'm gonna pray for you. Is there anybody that would say, Pastor, pray, pray for me? 
I know I'm born again, but I don't have an effective and effectual walk with God, and it's not right. Pastor, please, would you pray for me? Can I see your hand? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, yes, many. Uh, the good news is, is you're at the right place, okay? We're a church that's all about equipping people for a walk with God. So Father, you see all of the hands and you see our need and, and for, the, for, the, for the five that said they don't know that they're born again, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, would you strip away the excuses? So many times, Lord, you know people have reasons for why they're gonna wait and there's no time to wait you're worthy, you're worth being right with today. Lord, help, help each to submit their life to you in faith on your gospel, the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, that they would believe on Christ today as their sin bearer. Lord, help them to enter into your life, your love, your grace through faith in the gospel today, we pray. And then, Lord, for the many who need to get on the path to growth, they need to start a walk with you. Lord, I pray that today would be the day where we're done with the excuses, we're done with the reasons, where we would just purposely draw near to you in humility and, and then trust you uh, through the, 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 the work of your word in their life, the spirit in their life, brothers and sisters who help them to grow in their life, uh, Lord, that they would begin walking with you. You're worthy, and we trust you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.